Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown, this week's top stories in swimming. I'm Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico. We've got Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we've got Associate Editor Tori Hart coming to us from beautiful downtown Oakland, California. Coleman, Coleman. I, I can see your New Mexico art behind you, but what are you doing in New Mexico? Are there even pools in New Mexico? <clears throat> uh, there might be a total of three pools in the state of New Mexico. Uh, this week, I'm babysitting my brother's cat while he's out of town, but next week I will be back in New York City, my temporary residence, well, where I will be planning some exclusive practice and pancakes. We're getting back on the road. We're getting back out there, and we are starting to film practices again because uh, it's things are kind of back to normal. I don't know if we're allowed to say that or not, but uh, I'm, I'm getting back out on the road. We're getting pancakes soon. So, hey, guys, you want to talk about some news? Let's do it. <clears throat> Let's get into it. Uh, first of all, I think this week's top story, which kind of got overshadowed, but then kind of overshadowed everything else. It came out at a weird time. Three-time NCAA champion Shane Casas reveals his plans to go pro. We thought we knew he was transferring out of Texas A&M. We thought he might be joining Eddie Reese and the Longhorns in the NCAA. It looks like he is working on getting down to Austin with Eddie, but he will be uh, coming to the pro group. Do we think that this plan for Shane to go pro after three NCAA seasons will pay out for him? I, I, I know people like, get mad about this, especially with the NIL, NIL name image likeness um, improvements that, oh, you got to get the college education. We just have to accept that that the traditional four-year college path isn't right for everybody, you know, student athlete or not. It's it's not the right answer for everybody. Um, I, the, the bigger question is, does he have the juice to build a real pro career? Um, and, and, you know, we kind of know he has the talent. Um and he's had this, this sort of possibility, this tease of talent, um, but we haven't really seen him do the things yet that are going to get him that money that he needs to be to have a real pro swimming career. So it's, um, I don't know, I think, it's a, I think it's a good move. I think Austin will be a good place for him. Um, I think he's the kind of guy that needs some, some other big dogs in the room training with him, um, and, and he'll get that at Texas. So, um, you know, We'll see what happens, but he's he's still got to do something to to make that money. Yeah, I think what's so fascinating about this is because of the new NIL deals, this isn't a situation like maybe we were seeing, you know, four or five years ago where swimmers are turning pro mid-college because they want to cash in on their suit deals because they just can't, um, you know, leave behind that earning potential anymore. Like, he definitely could have been earning the same sorts of deals had he stayed in college. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Shane, I'm not privy to, to, you know, what's going on in his mind, but to me, it feels more like more like you know, he was kind of over the college scene, you know, not of the utmost importance to him that he finishes out his degree there and just chose to focus on his swimming. But it definitely, like you said, Braden is no longer a case of does he have enough to kind of pick up those middling NIL deals that we'd seen before. Now it's about really making an entire career. I mean, does, does, um, this has got to be like a plan B, right? Just based on the timing. Cause when, when, when this first, came out when he entered the transfer portal it was clear that his intent was to swim for the varsity team at, at texas 
but now he's gone pro. So there's something that's changed, I think, in that time period. And, and hopefully we'll get Shane on the podcast in the next few weeks and we can kind of talk to him. But when we talked to him about this, it was it sounded like an evolving situation. So we don't know if um, if he couldn't get enough credits to transfer, although this, the two schools being in state makes that seem unlikely. It's, it's usually a pretty easy transfer of credits there. But um, I'd love to know what changed from when he wanted to be on the varsity team to when he decided to just join the program. I think also I was actually thinking about this this morning. The fact that there's only three years until the next Olympics is is nice for him, I think, because I think my initial thought was, you know, he's not an Olympian. He doesn't really have the star power to to kind of get himself supported with just sponsorship deals. But obviously now we've got um, the ISL. Then, yeah, it's a shorter training cycle before he could potentially become a huge star at the Olympic level. So maybe that factored in as well. I also yeah. think, uh, you know, one thing people were mentioning in the comments was that, well, how much money can, can someone like him really make who doesn't have this big um, pro resume or doesn't have this huge presence? But if he wants to build a presence like that, I feel like it's almost better to do it if he went to World Cups, if he did ISL. You know, we know he's, he, he can perform in season. He's done it in the NCAA. He, he's great at short course. He's really good at long course too, but it's like we know he could throw down ISL winning times or world cup winning times in season. And maybe that's a way that he could build up his pro career as well. Well, the, I mean, the, the winningest swimmer in the ISL regular season, this article just went live, um, is Bita Nelson, who also doesn't have that big resume. And, you know, maybe she's never going to get the million dollar a year tier deal like a Katie Ledecky gets, um, but she can make a, a dang good living for, for never having made an Olympic team, never made a long course world's team. So this, this is this whole ISL sort of thing that's reshaping all of these conversations. Um, I bet, I bet Shane wishes he had made this decision in time to be in the ISL this year. Um, but in the future, if the ISL survives, there's, there's some money for a swimmer like him to be made at least as much as the value of a, of a college scholarship. So moving on, speaking of the ISL, we saw the regular season come to an end. Um, not really any surprises there, especially with, with the content we've been putting out about how Aqua is pretty much a shoe in for that number six spot of the playoff locks, which, which they got. Uh, we now have the first ever ISL play-in match with Iron, Tokyo, DC Trident, and the New York Breakers. Do we think there will be any surprise or shakeup in this play and match, or, or does it look like Iron and Tokyo are, are pretty much locked in? Oh, yeah, I don't I think, think Iron and Tokyo are locked in at all, Coleman. Go ahead, Dory. Oh, Tell I was just going to say the only thing I feel like is that the lock is not the breakers. And then from there, we've got a little bit more room to, to play around. I agree with that. I, you know, I'd like to see if um, Katinka shows up for Iron because she's been at the meets you know there's there's she's been cited all over the, the the venue and she's not Katinka of three years ago where she'd come in and just be an instant difference maker but um emotionally that could be a huge a huge impact I think people are overlooking DC I think people are really overlooking DC including you Coleman uh because they they swam at they weren't given the chance in that match 10 which you know, we could quibble over whether that was intentional or not, but seemed to be the league trying to put together the four teams that they thought had the best chance of, of taking that sixth spot, um, which created some excitement. That was cool. 
but you know, they, they had a really tough meet, but they've been swimming really well. Ryan Hoffer keeps getting better. If they put in a little drop taper over the next couple of days, uh, I think, I think right now I'd take iron to DC. Yeah, I, I, I agree that DC, that outside of New York, it's, it's any of those two th- of the t- three teams. Um, I think DC has looked really good lately and I will be really excited to see DC face off among some more, maybe even, even evenly matched teams. Um, because I don't think we really saw this. They kind of missed out on that match 10 where it was kind of like you said, Braden, those, those four teams that kind of had that shot of getting the number six spot. So, I'm curious to see also just who shows up and like you said, Braden, maybe puts in a little taper just for this uh, true like winner go home <laughs> format here for the bottom two teams. And curious just to see the, the kind of value that swimmers or teams as a whole are putting on this play in match. Well, there's a lot of money to be made in this match. I mean, that's none of these teams in the play in are going to make the final. Um, that's sort of a given, but this is, you know, if you're New York breakers, you're going full taper for this, right? Cause this is your last chance to, to earn money. Um, and for the other teams, you still have another month before the playoffs. I'd be going all in on this if only for the money, cause this is going to be your last best chance to pick up big money. So we're, we're going to get to, to some other ISL topics later in sink or swim. Uh, but moving on <clears throat> from the NCAA or back to the NCAA rather, uh, NC States, no Ponte, the Olympic bronze medalist in the 100 meter fly, uh, announced that he was leaving NC state, going back home to Switzerland to train. Um, he, he, he wrote a pretty eloquent post in my opinion. He he said, essentially after the Olympics, his life had completely changed. He, he had gotten fatigued and basically rushed into college. And now he's going back home to kind of recuperate, um, settle in and, and see what his next move is. Um, does this seem like a good move? Coleman, Coleman, you blew the segue here. Noah Pointy, no Pointy was drafted by the Tokyo Frog Kings, <laughs> who are in the play-in match. Um, so, so infamously now with Dave Salo and, and ISL management bickering on air over whether he gets that draft pick back or not. Um, and we don't, we we don't think he's eligible. Although with the ISL, you never know how the rules could change. Um, but you know, it's I think. I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often. It kind of does happen though, right? Like we have frequently international recruits who commit to a college. It's public. We do the article, they post on their Instagrams and then they never show up. Um, and he, he did show up, but then he turned around and left. And I, you know, I thought it was really interesting how he said, basically, you know, he, he didn't, this was his first sort of taste of this level of fame and fortune in his home country and um he didn't really have a chance to like take a breath and figure out what that means and then moving across an ocean to a a new culture and a new country and a whole new training scheme and a whole new competition system I mean that's a lot I I still think there's a chance he goes home takes a breath gets through the holidays and winds up back in North Carolina maybe in January Um, he's probably at an age where if it gets to next fall, maybe he would just what sort of let the NCAA thing go. Cause he'd, he'd be 21 by next season. Um, but you know, I good for him for, for taking that time. There's, there's in, I think in the U S we have this sort of perceived pressure that you have to do things on a certain timeline. Cause we're so sort of regimented by this system and this, this academic schedule and the NCAA schedule, you know, our, our, 
our swimming seasons sort of fit together so perfectly. There's not a lot of flexibility in there. Um, but to me, you know, there's no reason for him to, to push this if it's not the right time. There's no reason for him to not come back in January or come at all if he doesn't want to. Yeah, absolutely. I think like Colin said, I mean, his post really summed it up well. I thought it was very mature and just, uh, you know, well, well spoken from him. But I mean, swimmers at all levels are exhausted coming back from the Olympics, let alone one starting uh, another exhausting endeavor, which is, you know, freshman year of college. And if, you know, he felt like it's, it's not the right fit, it's not the right fit. And I think that's a, a noble move to just kind of call it there and, and uh, you know, not make anything worse in the process. And, and like you said, Brayden, uh, he's a little bit older than the typical uh, American college freshman would be. Um, so, you know, curious whether he does uh, come back and give it another go. Um, you could almost see some parallels to maybe Hugo Gonzalez, who we'll talk about later, who kind of did a year, um, you know, took some time off, swam for his uh, international team or national team, I believe, um, and then ended up back in the NCAA and is now, um, you know, full-fledged, fully back here. But, um, you know, it wasn't smooth sailing the whole way. Tori, what percentage of your classes did you skip the first semester of your freshman year of college? Well, I'm a nerd, so no. Oh, <laughs> I think I went to maybe like half of them. And that was like, you know, I was an hour and a half from home. I was just kind of like doing the, the normal path. I can't imagine like, I mean, so we have a writer, right? Annie Johnson, who Tori, you know well. Um, Coleman, you know from Trials. She's, she's great. We love her. She's in Spain right now studying abroad. The last thing she wants to do is, is her swim swim work. She wants to go like see Spain. She wants to meet new people. And it's, I can't imagine trying to go to a new country as an Olympic medalist, all this excitement in your life. You can, you can be king of the town at home. You can probably be king of the town in, in Raleigh, North Carolina too, as long as you carry your medal around and then having to like focus on class and all of these other things. Like I would need six months to kind of ride that wave and screw around and stay out till 2 a.m. without any real serious consequences before I think I was ready to go to class at 8 a.m., get up for 6 a.m. practice, do all those things. Yeah, I mean, I think we continue the conversation during this Olympics a lot, but just kind of the come down of an Olympic Games, it's such a huge endeavor and, um, I mean, talking to a lot of the Australians who had to quarantine for two weeks directly coming off of Tokyo, they were kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but also it gives you time to sit with yourself and just kind of like process everything that happened. And then, then they can like get all the media out of the way and like do podcasts with us and, you know, do all their interviews on zoom. And then they can like actually go home and like take a break. And it, it, it seemed like a kind of a good system. So I'm guessing instead of having that going straight home for maybe a week or two and then packing up your whole life and going across, across to a different continent was, uh, was gave, gave you less time to reflect and, and sit with it and, and process. Coleman seems like the kind of guy who skipped a lot of class. <laughs> I, uh, I skipped a few. I, I mean, freshman year though, like I can't imagine having swimming though. Like I didn't swim in college and yeah, like I was, I was out till 2am like, most nights, right? Just because it's like, whoa, I can, I can do this. Like, I can go get food at one a.m. whenever I want. I can go get like, a different haircut every week. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's like that. Uh, I think that's an important part of of going out of your home and kind of 
you know, spreading your wings for the first time. And yeah, if you have to focus on school and a new training system, that's a lot. Uh, I do want to ask though, from an NC state perspective, how is this going to affect the, the men's teams, you know, run, run at a top three finish at, at, at perhaps crack in the top two and maybe an NCAA title. If, if Ponte doesn't come back this spring and maybe ultimately doesn't come back period um, because it's like with that freshman class and what they've already built, they were looking pretty studly. They're good. They're, they're very good. I think, I don't think this is going to hurt their momentum at all. You know, they kind of like big Stanford 2014 or Virginia 2019. They've got that sort of boundless momentum going with this freshman class coming in. So I don't think it's going to really hurt that a lot. Um, but to win NCAA titles, you need a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys who are placed in top two or three at NCAAs and multiple events because we look at how good NC State has been for so many years, and they've still never really been in contention for an NCAA title. Um, and that just shows you how Texas and Cal not only have the Ryan Hoffers and the, the Drew Kiblers and those guys, but they've got five and six and seven and eight of those guys. So at, I don't know. They, they, it, 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 I'm sure it frees up some money. And, and right now they seem to be able to get – the men's recruits that they want to get for the most part. So maybe they'll, they'll repurpose the money in such a way that it won't hurt as bad. But I think in the short term, it's, it's hard to see them catching up with Cal and Texas until they get another class. in. they need, I think they need another class and, and delay it. And someone else big with that money, someone like Aiden Hayes, like they did last year, they need a couple more of those. Whereas I think no Ponte was going to be a little bit of a shortcut for them. That being said, I think there's also no guarantee that a potentially unhappy, exhausted, homesick swimmer is adding to the team what we would project him to. So um, you never know with that sort of thing. You know what I liked? I, I liked that all of his teammates, if we can read between the lines a little bit here, all of his teammates, I didn't check everybody's Instagram, but everyone that I saw was positive, was supportive of this. We don't always see this when swimmers leave teams. Um, we see it in the comments all the time. I hate to break it to you, but a lot of those nasty comments about swimmers leaving teams are from their former teammates. And then they wonder why that person would have left. But NC State swimmers have at least publicly been very supportive. I wonder if that says they think he might come back. If if they're trying to remind him that they can provide a family, they can provide support for him that he wouldn't have necessarily at all programs um, by kind of showing him some love, even though he's leaving. So this is, well, I guess we'll see how this plays out. Uh, as, as time goes on, I would sure love to see him in the NCAA again, but <clears throat> speaking, speaking of, uh, of family and national significance, uh, the Chinese national games were, were last week. And a lot of our commenters, or at least some of our commenters were like, why are they going so fast at these like in season in country meets, uh, and then and then other commenters would would reply and be like, "Dude, this is like their NCAA's, or like this is like the biggest meet for them besides the Olympics." You know, it's like it's a huge thing. It has a lot of it holds a lot of national significance and weight, uh, especially between provinces. And uh, we saw three national records go down, including both the men's and the women's fifty freestyles, and then the women's two hundred free. Um, what do you guys think of, of 
China swimming so fast, you know, times that would have meddled uh, in Tokyo at their, you know, home Chinese nationals. I think the NCAA comparison is a great one. Um, and people, people in America think, in, and in Europe and a lot of the world think that the Olympics are the be all end all. But what you hear from people in China is that there's more pressure on like the Asian games because of the geopolitics of establishing regional dominance in every sphere. Um, and, and so these, these events mean a lot. You know, I, I, I always fight people when they say politics and sports don't go together because politics and sports have always been inextricably intertwined. Um, but this is China is sort of the ultimate degree of it, where it's showing up at these meets and swimming fast is the shortest route to, you know, I know the, the stuff that goes along with Sun Yang and the doping, but like to that status in China, that's, that's how you get there by showing up at these meets and swimming fast, um, in Olympic gold medals do it too, but China games, gold medals are a lot easier to win and can, can make you real famous real quick. I do think one thing that's interesting to note about the Chinese national games is I think for swimming is actually one of the sports I, I think where it's even it's slightly less of a big deal. So sports like, um, you know, weightlifting and table tennis where, where China's limited in the number of people they can bring to the Olympics, but incredibly dominant in those sports, the Chinese the China games are huge because it's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best country in the world competing in one place. Like you've got everyone who, who couldn't go to the Olympics because of side limits competing. So huge deal in those sports and in swimming, I feel like we're just seeing kind of the tip of the iceberg and it's still a big deal. If that gives you any sense of, of the importance of the games in general. Doesn't it feel like we're constantly on the verge with China of, of, it feels like they just haven't put that meat together at the Olympics. Um, but we're just like teetering on the edge now that they're they're figuring out sprinting, which has has been sort of a challenge for the Asian continent in general for a while. But if they're having men go twenty one sixes in the fifty freeze at national meets, uh, I think I think this U.S. Australia thing is about to become a, a three team race at the top pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I think we could see it. I, like Tori said, it's like all all those all those swimmers that didn't make the China's Olympic team. It's like they got to put on display what they could do. You know, similar to to like the national meet that we have after a lot of the Olympics. Um, you know, the people obviously we had a lot of prior Olympians or people who would have medaled not make it on our team, and so it, it seems like a really cool thing to have. And um, I think just culturally, there's such a barrier between the U S and China that like uh, probably a lot of our U S swim fans just don't know how China does things, especially Chinese swimming, like what is popular there. So it's cool to see. Can you imagine imagine the roasting the U S coaches would get if they only entered one woman in the hundred breaststroke at the Olympics, and then they had a woman show up a month and a half later at a national meet and go one Oh five, six in that event. I mean, that, that would just be like a skewer skewering to end all skewerings. And it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, what, what do they think of it there? Like I, I would, it's, I think it's just a shame that we don't know more about just culturally how they, how they move through things and how they handle things. Cause it'd be great to talk to some of their coaches and just be like, so did you get skewered <laughs> or was that like, oh no, it's, you know, it's okay. <laughs> that was a really cool thing to watch as as the week continued. Um, now 
it is time to play our favorite game on the Swim Swim Breakdown, Sink or Swim. Brayden, you brought up uh, Sun Yang and, and the whole doping thing. We've, you know, heavily reported um, another doping, you know, story that has just come up is that Shana Jack has officially cleared. Um, and in the comments on uh, the article we just put out about how <clears throat> her coach, Dean Boxel, mentioned that she wanted revenge. A lot of commenters are saying, well, it doesn't even matter because she's already doped. So any success she has, it, it, it's going to be tainted. Uh, does serving a ban and then coming back and winning medals taint those medals, sink or swim? Oh, swim. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, Coleman, your comment in response to that didn't make any sense. Our commenters are correct. Uh, I have no idea what you were trying to say there. Um, but I, I, it, I, how could it not taint it? You know, this is, this is the ongoing debate in swimming. Are all doping offenses the same? Should it be zero tolerance? Is there room for nuance? Um, at the end of all of those, tra- those kind of trails of thought, I think there's, there's a taint. There's got to be some, there's got to be a pall over it. And, and it doesn't have to be there for everybody. Some people love Shana Jack still and won't see it. But for some percentage of the audience, that's not going to take the time to think through that nuance. It's, it's going to be a tainted swim, whatever she does. So I had a similar, but slightly, I guess, more nuanced take on this, which is I'm thinking that it should taint or does actually in reality taint their performances going forward. I think, no, I mean, if she's clean now, she's clean now. Um, I totally agree with you though, that from the perspective of the average media consumer, it absolutely, you know, for life has tainted her name. Every time we talk about uh, Sun Yang, Chain and Jack, all those types, people are immediately going to go to their, their doping uh, scandals or, you know, for Sun Yang, not doping, but um, related scandals. And, um, so you don't but, buy the long-term benefit of, of doping. You don't, you think she served her too. We don't know if she did it on purpose. She says she didn't, but you don't, don't know. I think if she's, I think there's two different things. So in swimming, I think we have the, the luxury of having results that aren't continuous over career. We don't really care about her, her long-term career stats. Whereas like in baseball, Barry Bonds's home run record that was tainted by him doping. That's always tainted because we care about his career long stats where he doped throughout or for a period of time where Shana Jack, in theory, if the doping system or the anti-doping system is working correctly now, we can take these results as a new era of her career, I suppose, in theory. I totally get where you're coming from, though, that the name is always associated. Um, but I think I've also been on the record before, sort of like a, a bit of a Sun Yang apologist as well. And I would say the same thing for him, where yeah, he had his previous issues. I personally am excited to see what he can do going forward, provided he continues to swim at a top level. And I would, I would take those results for what they are and maybe I'll eat my words later. Uh, but that's my stance on it. If they're clean now and we have any trust in the anti-doping system, we should, uh, you know, take those results at face value now. I'm with Tori. And that was what I was trying to say in that comment. The, the commenter I responded to, he was like, who cares? She's already doped. It's tainted forever. My, my, what I was trying to say in my response is that I think a lot of people care that she served the ban. And now if she wins medals, that will, that will hold significance, tainted or not. But that's all I'm going to say. Moving on. <clears throat> Hand touch at the 100 checkpoint of the 400 free in the ISL. Uh, this was an interesting one. Craig or Zerk did it. I think someone else did as well. 
Uh, but do we think this is a good strategy, sink or swim? Swim, swim in this all day long because it's all about the points and the times don't matter, which I'm so sick of hearing. Uh, but the reality is it's true. You know, it's it's silly on in one regard because like none of these meets are close enough where these little one or two point pickups mean anything. Um, but I have a dream that one day they will be. And so I am swimming this because I want to come a meet to come down to a point or two and have this be the difference maker. Yeah, I swim it as well. I mean, you have to, to game the system that you're given. And uh, yeah, I swim that. I sink the entire concept, though. I think it's super. Can you tell we both reluctantly swim this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't sound proud it's like of like a separate <laughs> middle category, the reluctant <laughs> swim. It's kind of like the, the cool down swim. Um, but yeah, I mean, I sink the whole the whole concept but that's another it's another segment (laughs) that's that's another sinker swim uh (laughs) moving on mark schubert uh announced that he was retiring from mission viejo do we really think so so obviously he's gonna retire from mission he's not gonna be the head coach anymore is mark schubert done coaching sink or swim sink that uh mark schubert has a complicated legacy and i think he knows he has a complicated legacy whether he says that publicly or not And I think he's going to keep pushing because in his mind, I think that, you know, one more Olympic gold medal, one more this, one more that will turn his legacy to the positive um, in the long term. And I I could see him. He was training Chinese swimmers, which was a point of tension at Mission Viejo already. And I could see him just sort of going full time training Chinese swimmers. So I, I think Mark Schubert being done coaching. I think it as well. Like, do I think he's going to go, you know, full Eddie Reese and like fully announce a retirement and then fully in theory, come back as a head coach on deck? No, but I think we see a lot with these coaches hanging around on deck, still, still contributing. And I find it hard to believe he's really just done. Yeah. The, the, the Eddie Reese principle, no way he's done coaching or like, you know, Jack Roach, John or Banchek, like he, he, that dude's going to be on deck till the day he dies, I think. <laughs> but uh, moving on, we saw a big NCAA weekend. The Texas men had their orange and white meet. Um, Cal and Cal Poly had king and queen of the pool competitions. So we actually got to see a lot of teams in action for the first time. Uh, did this get you excited for the upcoming NCAA season? Do you feel like it was a legit solid preview of like, oh yeah, NCAA swimming is back, sink or swim? You know, I this is my favorite time of year in sports. It's baseball playoffs. Football is starting. We're getting wound up with hockey and basketball again. College swimming is beginning. We've got eight contenders for the NCAA title. We've got 14 number one recruiting classes. Everybody's got all the confidence in the world. Um, Normally, I'm swimming this. It felt a little flat this year. Um, King and queen of the pool, which is a traditional opener, was not close. It wasn't that competitive. Um, I, I don't know. I usually, I feel like we usually get a little more pop out of this stuff. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and sink it this year only relative to its, its normal sort of boundless energy, but normally I, I would swim it. I'm swimming it and it's for one name only. And I alluded to this earlier. It is Hugo Gonzalez season. SZN, as the kids like to say now, I've been waiting (laughs) for this guy to pop off for so long. And I know his times weren't really anything to, you know, drop your jaw, but God, 
I mean, this is maybe just a, a personal thing, but like, I remember the day, the, the moment we found out he was headed to Cal, I was so psyched. I live close by. I was ready to go watch him just like dominate his third fastest short course 4am or ever, I believe hasn't quite had the seasons we would expect of him just due to the various circumstances he's, he's faced since, uh, you know, coming to the collegiate system. And I am just so ready for him to have that season we've been waiting for swimming. I can't, just I for can't wait for Carson versus Hugo. I think that will be the most exciting 400 IM in history. They've got some parallels. They haven't always swum their best at the biggest meets. They're both kind of looking to stamp their name on a, on a gold medal somewhere. And I think that's going to be absolutely thrilling. I just wish we could have seen that this weekend. Then I would have swum this all day long. Yeah, I, I agree with Braden. I, I have to sink this weekend. It just, we didn't see the pop that we're used to of like really eye popping times. I mean, I, I feel like Carson Foster, 142, 200 IM. I, I was there in person for that. I was like, Ooh, okay, that's a good swim. But, uh, but, you know, and there were some other good swims around the country, but it just didn't have that oomph. Uh, next, leaving an open lane in ISL, we reported that Sydney Pickram now has done this twice throughout the regular season. We don't know why, but as a strategy, do you think it is a viable one to leave an open lane in the ISL, sink or swim? I am swimming this because the most important thing in the ISL right now is eyeballs and drama drives eyeballs. And this is drama. So I'm swimming, leaving an open lane because it's a terrible strategy, but I am sinking the league and the team's refusal to acknowledge it, explain it, discuss it. It is such a missed opportunity. This has been the story of the ISL being so hell bent on keeping everything smiles and about team points that they pass up these opportunities for drama, for, for headlines, et cetera, the things that they need to get eyeballs. So I am swimming this strategy. I am sinking the response to it. Yeah. I don't think I need to elaborate on that much further. It's just like, what the heck all around? Like, I mean, I hope that Sydney is okay. I, but yeah, I don't think much more needs to be said. It's obviously not like a legit strategy. And like Brayden said, the lack of any explanation is perplexing. Well, so do you think it's a legit strategy if you know that the swimmer you were going to throw in would just get (laughs) jackpotted or, or like even negative points? We don't know because we don't know why they left her out. We don't know if she was hurt. We don't know if we don't know, you know, is it, are we comparing to Sydney or are we comparing to the next best swimmer? And again, do one or two points matter? No, they never really have, but that's not the premise of the league, right? The premise of the league is that the points do matter. Fair enough. Uh, and last on the list, uh, absent from ISL, this guy has been leaving open lanes all season. Adam Peaty, we saw his his first debut on uh, the British dancing show. What's it called? Strictly Come Dancing. And uh, he looked good. <laughs> He looked like a dancer is what's yeah, crazy. Like we saw Ryan Lochte on Dancing with the Stars looking like a swimmer dancing, which I mean, power to him. I couldn't do it, but Adam Petey looked like a dancer out there. Uh, he, he, yeah, he looked good. So is, is he going to be moving on? Is his dance, will his dancing carry him 
through the ISL season. Will he ever show up to ISL? Or is he going to keep dancing? Sink or swim? If there, was, if there was ever a swimmer that was going to be good at a dancing competition show, it would be a breaststroker because they've got the hips. <coughs> they've got the hips. You got to have the hips. I didn't love his dance. I think they should have taken more advantage of his natural skills and, and shown off his legs a little bit more because he's got huge legs. So a little more kicks in the air, a little, maybe some jumping. Um, but, you know, the judges loved it. There is no way he's going to be back for the playoffs. I think Adam Peaty will win Strictly Come Dancing 2021. Book it. Book it. Take that to Vegas. Take that to, to London. You can bet on anything in the UK. Adam Peaty. Yeah, I swim him staying on long enough to miss the ISL season, which is just a hilarious coincidence. And I'm very here for it.